hey, I just got a little thing that said connecting to cloud server. Yay! Always look, always look for that. Always look for the cloud. Always look for that note. Okay, so is it recording right now? Probably. So we're talking and, re and being recorded. Uh, it says we are. Well, then I've got something to play. <laughs> well, maybe it's like Casey said. Fella ain't got a soul of his own, just a little piece of a big soul. The one big soul that belongs to everybody. Then... Then what, Tom? Then it don't matter. I'll be all around in the dark. I'll be everywhere. Wherever you can look. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy. I'll be there. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise and living in the houses they build, I'll be there too. I don't understand it, though. Me neither, Mom. Just something I've been thinking about. You're listening to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. From sports to gardening, from good food with close friends, to great music and movies. Provided by your hosts, Cody Stoffer, the reluctant Gen Xer, and Craig Morton, the token baby boomer. These guys are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but they will be entirely by accident. What's the biggest word you ever said? How do you spell that? Uh, Superlapsinarianism. Yeah, I really think it's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah, probably. I was going to say that one, but I don't know that it counts as a real word, does it? Well, what is a real word? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> if it's in a dictionary... I'll have to look that one up. <laughs> Here we are, the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. I don't even know what episode it is. However, I do know this. This is an episode so nice, we had to do it twice. In fact, it was really good the last time, so I think it's going to be even better this time. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. We might be setting ourselves up for... Oh, oh, oh. Here's something really, really awesome. Yeah? Something to start with. Okay. According to, yes? not just any little dictionary, like, you know... Oh, boy. Here we go. According to the Oxford Dictionaries, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is a word in the Oxford Dictionary. That's like top-notch. Whatever. It's extraordinarily good and wonderful. Mm -hmm. so, so it is a real, word, a real word because the Oxford Dictionaries said so. I don't know. I don't like... That's English English, not American English. Okay. <laughs> well, who said it? It was Mary Poppins, wasn't it? And where's she from? That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. So of course are, it's a are, word for them. Are any words that the British use or have used or originated not fit for American English? Only <laughs> if we say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Maybe you just America. had a bad childhood and didn't like Disney as you can. America. 
<laughs> Merka. Merka. All right. So, okay. What's on the plate today? Well, you know, because we went through the when we when we did this in the practice uh, dress rehearsal, <laughs> we went through this so seamlessly. Oh wow! Well. Um, it's hard to know what we talked about, but I did wonder about one thing. Yeah. Uh, New Year's resolutions. One of the ones that you mentioned was that you weren't going to drop a forty-five pound plate on your hand, a finger anymore. Yep. You so far. So far, I've kept that one. All right, all right. Doing good. No more weights dropped on my fingers. And what are you munching on right now? Protein bar. So did did you uh, just get back from the gym a little while ago? No, I haven't gone yet today. Oh, wow. Yep. You're getting After crazy with your schedule. It was because the uh, play practice and late nights uh, with the theater troupe and I mean, you, you drama people, you don't get home till probably, what, 3 a.m., party all night, after, you know, after party, whatever, after performance party? Well, we are getting home late, um, you know, especially with two kids that are have school the next day, but not that late. Oh, okay. All right. However, it does mean we go to bed later than normal. So, yeah, it throws me off a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm really tired. Oh, I, I hear you. My insomnia is kicking in again. Mm. It was good for a while, but yeah, that happens. It happens. What but, are some of your new? What are your New Year's resolutions? I can't remember. Did we talk it about? Was, it was to read more, actually. Mm. Okay. Yeah, to read more books. I think that's a common one. Yeah. Uh, and to not have more than thirty books uh, in in the house. In specific locations at any one time. Okay, now listen. That deal, you know, that's just a number she picked for herself. You know that, right? The other thing that's really cool about this, I wish I I had more information on the feng feng shui. uh, Marie Kondo, what is it called? It has a name. Yeah, but but I mean, there's a point that she's trying to make that I really get. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm behind her. OCD piles just make me nuts. Right. And they do not add to your, so, so for her, 30 bucks is her limit because that's where she knows that she, yeah, it becomes clutter after that because, right. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's the case for somebody like say a pastor who even one commentary set is going to be 66. You know what I mean? Well, not, not only that, but it's what, what defines something as clutter. Right. Yeah. So if I see a stack of books, it, it is actually attractive. It's like, oh, yeah. that's interesting. That sparks a joy for you. I mean, if I see a stack of uh, 30 slices of bologna, <laughs> that's just too much. Well, who, who in their right mind would do that? Well, you go to the butcher shop and you say, hey, uh, I need to have some bologna okay, sliced. Okay, okay. But I mean, if it's just out there, you know, on an end table stack, yeah. you'd go, there's something not right about that. Yeah, I don't want you to look at my uh, table that I'm sitting at right now. How much bologna is on it? <laughs> Not bologna, but I see like, uh, so because of the, I mean, I'm relying on this heavily as an excuse, but it is true that we haven't had time to really do much of anything. So like our meal prep, you know, we have to do quick. And so our meal prep boxes are stacking up rather than being. Oh, yeah. 
you know, cleaned, stuff like that. Our Christmas decorations are still up and we, that's not us normally. Normally we are 12th day, we're done. But on the 12th day, we were, we had rehearsals the whole day. And then it, then it bled into the work week, you know, after that, because it has to be a weekend when we're not working, you know, kind of a deal. It's pretty bad, Craig, right now. This is eating into our life. Well, so uh, when's the next play? Tonight. No, no, no. I mean, mean, not the next performance, but you got another one you're going to be doing down the road? There is a show. Have you ever seen the movie Wait Until Dark? No. Okay. So it's about this lady who is blind and... Oh, the dancer? What's that? About a dancer? I think she has a dancer, yes. And yeah. she, yeah, she's been blinded and um, she somehow in her apartment, I, I can't remember how this story goes, but she ends up with an item that is these three like uh, goons, you know. I think it's heroin inside of a thing that ended up in her apartment, like smugglers. Right. It ended up in her apartment somehow. So they have to get in there and get it. And they think, well, she's blind, you know. Right. We should be able to do, we should be able to do this, but then it unfolds from there. She like outwits them, you know. And and I think I think that came out when my daughter, who's now thirty two, was in high school. Yeah, and that's when she was dancing professionally with Ballet Idaho. Oh, and so that was a film that she and her ballet friends would watch because the dancers get even. Yeah. <laughs> So they're doing a play about that. And the light's going to be off the whole time and nobody's going to see what's going on on the stage, right? <laughs> that's so right. That's right. It's all done. From a protagonist perspective. That's right. <laughs> so all it's an auditory-only experience. That, uh, not called radio? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of cool, though. Well, yeah, do a, do a radio play. That makes sense. So. They actually, the Civic Theater that, you know, is doing all this, they did do a special two-week run or maybe even, I think it was two weeks, of a radio drama presentation of your favorite, Craig, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and so, but it, what was cool about it is, you know, so of course they had three or maybe even four actors, but what, and they gave them a stage, but it was a ba- basically they were a radio set. And so they were performing it as an audio drama, but you could, you know, the audience could watch. And so they had their sound effects guy, you know, it'd be kind of like going to a uh, uh, Prairie Home Companion deal, you know, where there's the, yep. That would be fun. Yeah. So yeah, even if you don't like It's a Wonderful Life, it'd still be pretty cool. Okay. Well, that's good to know. (laughs) But anyway, they did that. So they've done that, uh, an audio thing. Anyway. Yeah. Where so, are we? What are we talking about now? So we we got a lot of stuff on this uh, on on our outline. We got six pages to go through. Oh, and we're not going to get through it all. Okay, good. You know, I'd, I'd like to highlight a couple of things on there. Uh, one thing that was was that we didn't talk about in our in our dress rehearsal was um, looking ahead. I had a section there where I, where I put in a bunch of different kinds of uh, web calendars or cal- internet calendars. But like a list of Protestant and Catholic holy days. Yes. I think that's pretty cool. And yep. then the other one is listing of Orthodox and Catholic saints days. Like almost every day there's somebody who died whose life story is worth taking a peek at. Can I tell you something cool? Yes. <laughs> we 
uh, I'm a part of what's called a clergy cluster in the United Methodist Church, you know, so the, uh, they have their regional area called a conference. So ours is the Pacific Northwest. Then they break those down into districts. My district is the Inland District, which happens to be basically from just a touch north of Spokane down to uh, pretty much the Hell's Canyon, uh, you know, maybe the beginning of the Hell's Canyon. And as covers, so that's north and south. And then east-west, it goes from, uh, you know, maybe Riggins area in Idaho over to um, almost not quite Dayton, you know, Washington. So right. Samroy, Washington. So anyway, that's our, the inland district. And even that's broken down into what they call clergy clusters. So it's like geographically closer churches kind of clustered together. Ours happens to be, I think, I want to say seven or eight churches. And so we gather together once a month as clergy encourage each other, share, you know, prayer and stuff like that with each other. And one thing that our clergy cluster does that's really unique, by the way, we're called the Clearwater Clergy Cluster. Uh, we, yes, we do a Lenten series together. So we, seven churches, seven weeks of Lent, uh -huh. each afternoon on a Sunday of Lent, we travel to a church that hosts it and a different pastor from another church provides a, a sermon or a message. The church hosts it with the meal and things like that and music and all that. So anyway, we do that and we pick, you know, a theme every year. Well, this year, the theme we're going to go with is because we noticed that there's all those saints that happen during the calendar. Yeah. We're going to do the a study of some saints for each week. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, like, so for instance, yesterday was uh, uh, St. Francis de Sales. That's right. And, you know, I'm looking at the list as, at least as, as this list goes, there's nobody for today. Boo, so, today. So it's, the historians need to dig deep and find out what good Christian died today. on the 25th of January. It could be you or me, Craig. <laughs> I won't take that as a threat, but thank you for thinking that I could qualify. We're all saints. That's so, the point. So then I also put in like there's there's a there's a link for um, uh, U.S. National Days. Yeah. And there's uh, it's a social media calendar. So I didn't look at it closely, but for instance, I think it's April is yeah. National Frozen Foods Month. Ooh. See, I, just, you know, I was like, yeah, but did you know there was a day for that? Wait, you said a whole month. I mean a month, yeah. But yeah, and there's there's like a donut day. No, or donut oh, yeah. Week or what is that? You should know that. <laughs> Me? Oh, yeah. donut because of Donut Day for the girls. Yeah, yeah. It's every Thursday. What are you talking about? Yeah, right. Okay, it's a regularly occurring <laughs> thing. Every seventh day. That's right. <laughs> but you know, some of those days, some of them are are also uh, you know important, such as you know what happens when we have a um, you know uh, the uh, there's a mental health awareness. Yes. Day. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's days you know that are for um, you know different social needs, different community needs. And to, to be able to know that those are coming, that, you know, it may or may not fit into worship, but you know it can fit into your church life. That's right. Because Good call. the lectionary is cool, but it's not just about preaching and worship. It's ways to, for a congregation to be formed throughout the year. That's right. But all this stuff goes for, you know, youth groups might want to plug into something or the, you know, the, the deacons might want to, to move towards supporting something. 
so looking at these calendars gives way to participate with others. Yep. So I like that. So yeah, so I, th those calendars are kind of cool. And there's probably others to be found out there, but especially the more obscure ones, probably. I'd yeah. Like those are fun. I like yeah. those. Um, 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 so one cool thing the UMC does is they do have kind of unique days like that spread all throughout the year that aren't part of the necessarily the lectionary or right. the liturgical thing, but they do have these special Sundays that are specifically for something like that. Like one of the Sundays is human relations this Sunday and uh, the offering from that day from all the churches who are participating um, goes to a specific fund, either like a black college scholarship fund or a, uh, um, indigenous missionaries fund, you know, that kind of thing. So it's right. cool. Yep. Well, there, the, um, I think it's in the, the late summer or early fall, the, I think it's the Presbyterians have a, a season of peace. Ooh, awesome. You know, so it's, you know, it's, I think it's a few weeks where, it, you know, focuses on a variety of different ways of looking at peace. I think interpersonal, <laughs> personal, uh, international relationships, those kinds of things. That reminds me of uh, more and more denominations are including a season of creation in their calendar. Have you heard about that? Well, funny you should mention. Yes. <laughs> That's a tiny little piece uh, about talking about preparing for Lent. Yeah. And so, so in, in, in the, the cycles of, of Lent, and I think especially in the sea cycle, it really mm -hmm. talks about, the, the, the Old Testament readings, the, the, the prophets, but especially the, the, um, the writings, are about rest restoration of covenant. And mm -hmm. the restoration of covenant always goes back to the previous covenant. You know, it's not brand new covenants in many ways. They're just reestablishing existing covenants. And the first covenant is a covenant that, that's part of creation, part of the creative order. Um, so... I think I think including creation in the Lenten planning is is a good idea. I love it. Good. Yeah. Oh, you've been following Howard Ross memes for uh, pacifist themes. <laughs> Have you seen this one? Oh yeah. <laughs> I shared it on my Facebook page. So. Well, I have to tell you, it is a little disconcerting though that this meme uses guns, right? Right. And even the ultimate one, I barely, I didn't even notice this when I shared it. It was after I shared it. Right. But the final answer is a sniper, you know, with a, with a gun. So it go, it's a little incongruous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, he works really, really hard. Uh, or she, whoever this is to create memes. Yeah. Uh, it's a good one. It's a really good one. So, <laughs> but I did. I just no I noticed it after I shared it. I was like, okay, so it's clever that those two have these guns pointed at the head. But then, oh no, the guy with the ultimate answer is a sniper. And that so for those of you who can't see <laughs> we'll, what is speaking, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe we should put it on our uh, a link. Uh, yeah, something <laughs> called Howard Wasp's memes for pacifist teens is uh, a Facebook and Instagram. Uh, identity uh, so it has a gentleman sitting in the front pew or you know at least in a row of pews he's in the first pew and he says the meme according to this meme he says jesus would be a republican 
sitting directly behind him as a woman holding a gun pointing to the back of his head as if one-upping him. Jesus would be a Democrat, she says. Behind her is another woman with a gun, and she says, no, no, Jesus was a communist. So they're all in an order here. And like that one's got the final authority. But zooming out, there's a sniper up above in the, I guess it would be like the choir loft or something. Or, you know, I suppose the balcony. And the ultimate final thing is, Jesus was witness to an alternative political reality that renounced the power of the sword and empire. With a sniper. With a sniper rifle aimed at the the last person. Anyway, it was yeah. clever, and but uh, yes, also a little. Well, we'll we'll have to we'll have to post <laughs> but, something about link that. Link on there. All right. All right. The Lent leading to Lent. But we have before Lent, we're wrapping up Epiphany, though. Yes, Epiphany needs to be wrapped up. (laughs) Actually, man, so technically not a season. I shouldn't say Epiphany because Epiphany technically was just one day. It was over. In fact, we are in ordinary time. Mm -hmm. But they do specifically call it, uh, you know, Sunday after Epiphany, third Sunday after Epiphany, fourth Sunday after Epiphany. So it kind of, you, it's almost like a season, almost. But any of you who are new to the, to the lectionary, um, it, when you get past Pentecost, and the first Sunday after Pentecost is Pentecost 1, <laughs> ordinary time 6, you go, what? Where does the other five go? Where the other five? That's right, that's right. And the, the weeks after Epiphany always vary. I think the shortest one is maybe four weeks, and the longest, I think it goes to seven. I think we're in the longest right now. We're the longest one, yeah. Yep. And so by the time we get to uh, uh, Pentecost 1, uh, it will actually say ordinary 6. Eight or, eight or nine, or yeah. Or seven, yeah, or whatever, yeah. It's a larger yep. number, and it's... It's just kind of odd. Yep. <laughs> so, we're, so we're already thinking about summertime counting, I guess. <laughs> That's true. That's, That's true. Um, Easter this year is way, way later, too, because of that. So, I mean, you know, well, because of the way the calendar works this year. But, I mean. Oh, yeah, I thought you meant like it was going to be four <laughs> days instead of three <laughs> days in the tomb. <laughs> That's right. Going to make you longer. <laughs> Not till Monday. Actually, Craig, it'd be interesting one of these podcasts to have a, a discussion about whether or not Jesus was laid in the tomb on Friday or Thursday. I think that'd be an interesting conversation. Plus, we would also need to look at kind of a geo geographical thing because what does it mean if you're outside of that that time zone? Yeah, true. Good point. Yeah, I don't um, know if it is, but I just some, thought I'd mention it. So I've read some interesting stuff about that, so that's why I bring it up. I don't think it. See, what the people, the people I, I probably bumped my mic stand or something. <laughs> it sounded like a big old trash can. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can hear you. See, is it this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kong. Hey, <laughs> we need that sound. <laughs> anyway, where were we? So... Yeah, you know, some of the other things that we can talk about are, well, so what are you, what we were talking about the other day about preaching through Epiphany, the season after Epiphany, but we're also talking about, um, you know, what are some of these themes? And you had a really interesting um, kind of uh, take on what's going on in Jesus being rejected. Yes. So 
in the in the lectionary, some of the text coming up, and just kind of looking through February seventeenth, so a little ways out. But you know, some we're going to be spending some time in Luke four. Yeah. Um, Luke four comes up actually to, uh, this Sunday, but yep. the first half. Yes. First half on the on January twenty seventh is Jesus goes preaches in the synagogue, and they go, "That's our boy. That's he's 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 what a great kid," and yes. like proud of the hometown boy he's like look he grew up to be such a wonderful young man it's beautiful and first of all so like this is one of my favorite texts anyway to preach um even just this part before what comes next because for one he references um isaiah 61 and isaiah 61 is a fantastic you know i mean like like whenever anyone's like debating about why jesus came or anything like that right like here it is man like he's telling you his very first public at least recorded public message is he's quoting isaiah 61 and saying here i'm here this is it you know like the this what i'm saying (laughs) what's being said in isaiah 61 is being fulfilled in me you know and and it, it is a it's a, it's a great text for initiating this whole big thing. Yep. Yep. Um, and the, the danger is to think, oh, at least for me, the danger is to to put it in a box and say, oh, it fits at this point, and it's the introduction to Jesus' ministry. Right. I mean, historically, that's how it's used. Yeah. But I really want people to think about, well, what does it mean if we adopt this as a as a way of kingdom living? You know, what if right. we think this is the way that we function in the world? Yep. It's not just Jesus introducing, here I am. Right. Yeah, this is where we're living now. And this one of the troubling passages in that is and uh, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Yep. Which is, a, which is a phrase from uh, re- uh, referencing Jubilee. Yep. I mean, so it becomes economic um, changes, political changes. Um, <laughs> but Jesus doesn't talk about politics, Craig. I know that. He just talks about Jubilee, which sounds so happy. I mean, it sounds like something that's a dessert. <laughs> Want some cherries, you, Jubilee? You mean people getting their just desserts? Ooh, oh, wow. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Wow. We got to work on that. There's a recipe now for cherries, biblical Jubilee. <laughs> But Flambe oh, is completely different now. Oof, 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 oof. But, yes. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what's going on there. And the yeah. first portion, Luke 4, uh, well, not of Luke 4, but of that section that's being read this upcoming Sunday. Um, yeah, he's, pre- he, he's basically given the, the opportunity. I'm, not, I'm a little unfuzzy whether he either volunteered to be the Torah reader that day or if... Um, he was requested. It's, I, I'm a little uncertain on that, but yeah, he, it is an honor. It's uh, you know, to stand up in front of the community, and so perhaps, yeah, maybe they're like, oh, here's somebody who grew up in our community. Let's hear from him. Or, and, or were there other people? Were there multiple people who spoke to a particular right. text? That's right. Yep, that's true too. Yep. So he picks. You know, I've also side note. It's quite possible that in his community, they may not have had a full set of the torah right you know the because um they're expensive first of all and so it might be they only had you know the book of isaiah and maybe a couple other you know books or whatever i hadn't thought of that yeah it's possible that that happened a lot in those in the outskirt 
in outlying towns that they didn't have the full sets that they had only had. Um, and he was from Podunk. Right. Exactly. So it's possible. It's possible that might have been his only option that day. So anyway, one of the one of the one of the words when when they when, and I'm trying to remember. I think this is actually from a commentary on the Gospel of Luke. But when when the Gospels refer to somebody from um, who is outside the town, the people of the land, the farmers, the that they are assumed to be tax collectors and sinners and just bad people. It's almost it's more of an urban rural divide, not necessarily one about piety. That's right. Yep. And so he's out he's out in Nazareth, which is a little bit more on the rural side, I guess. Uh-huh. And so the assumption is almost that these are people who are they they don't they don't do all the temple yep. uh, pilgrimages, and so they're not as holy as everybody else. Right. And so maybe yep. they don't have all the the trappings. That's uh, right. Uh, of the other city churches. Yep. Probably it's quite possible, but that's all that is a little conjecture, but that's just, uh, it's fun to talk about. But anyway, so he has that text. He, he reads it, he reads a portion and in the Luke, you know, it shows him only quoting uh, a portion and that's actually probably accurate. He probably didn't read the whole text because they, uh, they knew their scripture so well that oftentimes they would just have to say, the first couple of verses and then everyone knew the rest. So um, he, it wasn't that he was just limiting himself to those first couple of verses. It was, so that entirety of that chapter um, is what he's referencing. He reads it or he quotes it and then he sits down and says the shortest, at least the paraphrase of the shortest sermon ever. And so he has a short sermon. Mm Mm-hmm. And people respond positively. They're so happy. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, they say he speaks. <gasps> oh, I was going to quote the scripture. I just lost it. <laughs> they are, well, spoiler alert, they're not happy. <laughs> well, they, but they are happy right up front. Well, that's true. Initially. Yeah. I mean, they're happy for one week. <laughs> right. I mean. Uh, you know, they, oh yeah, let's see, da, 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 da. here we are, um, oh, I was trying to find the... Oh yeah, I'm skipping ahead, huh? Yeah, yeah, because um, we should have practiced, practiced this part in our... <laughs> I thought we did practice. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, the, okay, are you in the first half? Yes. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at the second half. But. Yeah, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Thank you. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. And, uh, and this, is I tell things, you. this is where things begin to turn. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there are many widows and heirs. It gets a little rough. He says, there are many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut free, and Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow somewhere else. So basically, he's telling them, listen, we're not, basically, we're not called to hang out here and be amongst ourselves and just take care of our own and ourselves. We are also called to go out and do. Be a blessing to the world. 
But it's not only that. So where are the people to be found that actually seem to be part of this new reign and realm that God is instituting? Yeah. He focuses on, he says, people in Israel with leprosy and they were not healed or cleansed. Yeah. So he had to go look outside the, the neighborhood. <laughs> That's right. That you had to go to Assyrian. That's a segue to the, the, to the following week. That's right. That's where we, you know, in, in Luke five, it's a whole it is a whole different setting. But there's elements of this story that can carry over. So they've been looking all night for fish. Jesus yeah. shows up and says, uh, "Try on the other side." That's right. Try so a different location. Yeah, because the place where you expect to find what you're looking for, it's not going to work. Go outside your normal. Yep. Your normal habits, your normal relationships, and it's in out of this place that jesus begins to create this uh really bonds together the disciples yep yeah. and pulls them together it. it's good that's right so totally... there's, there's this expanding the expanding the um the boundaries yeah or even maybe not even expanding but just begin making them somewhat dismantled or at least real permeable boundaries that's right that people can come in that's right and what i like about it too because uh, this connects well to um a potential guest we might have in the future uh, named the author of Worthy. Oh, yes. Hey, what's her name? Sarah Jackson? No, Sarah no. Jackson. <laughs> that was our the past interview. Spoke with. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. We're talking about Melanie Smucker. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she writes a book about Worthy, essentially finding your purpose or calling, you know, like uh, ignoring, not necessarily, there it is. Craig will put a picture I see up there. But not necessarily, um, like, you know, stepping beyond what the world tells you you are, and even sometimes what you tell yourself you are, you know, you've bought into maybe these labels or this, you know, you've let yourself be pigeonholed into something or maybe a standard, you know, that perhaps the world has set that you think you have to live up to. And the idea of the book is, you know, no, God has something different and better for you, you know, than this. Right. And so the idea of connecting to the disciples there, you know, they are, um, more. They're more than just fishermen, you know, on the Sea of Galilee. God is a bigger calling for them. Yeah, it's, 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 they're more than they, they're more than those around them would have labeled right. them as. And they probably, I would think, so I, I guess maybe they might not have even have ever asked the question, am I more yep. than this? That's right. They probably have. In fact, that's probably why they're there fishing in the first place. You know, if you know the whole role of how it uh, unfolds in a, a son's life, a Jewish uh, Hebrew son's life, you know, they are raised, they study scripture, they study the Torah, and at a certain age, they're tested. And if they pass the test, they get to go study more with a powerful rabbi like, say, Gamaliel or Hillel or something like that. And these guys clearly have not passed the test so that's why they're there fishing so they've been told they're not worthy right but here comes a rabbi looking for them themselves and says no you know what in fact let's try something a little bit different on the other side of the boat and then he keeps pushing that at least, you know, Luke keeps pushing that theme. And so then when we get to Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, mm -hmm. the Sermon on the Plain. The Sermon on the Plain. It's, it's, it's 
it still maintains this um, this attitude of boundaries, whether they're the ones that are imposed on us, or the yeah. way we should act, or those who we're allowed to welcome in. And I hadn't really noticed or really thought about this before, but the, that week, the Luke passage beginning at verse 17, 6, 17, says, He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem. Now, those that's the in people. Right. That's, that's Those are the folks who are there. But also the coast of Tyre and Sidon. <laughs> and so there you're moving into Phoenicia. You've that's got, right. You've got some folks who weren't normally part of the in crowd. Ooh, that's you know, solid, man. Dancing there, that's a, it's a, and I that that tire inside and thing just kind of slid past me when I first read that, and just kind of caught on to me. I was like, got it now. Can I show you also the crazy connection to what we just talked about? And Luke four, when he's preaching to the people and they get upset, he says. I assure you, many widows in Israel in Elijah time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Yeah. Yep. That's solid, man. So Luke is just hammering that home. Like, move beyond your boundaries, people. And and however you define those, I mean, don't let don't let the boundaries you need to cross be superimposed upon you from others. That's right. Um, which I mean, that's rough to say in some ways because there's places where I want to see somebody move beyond their boundaries. But the thing right. is, you can't hop and skip and jump and go way out there without going through all the boundaries in between. That's right. I mean, you yep. can't you, you can't get to you can't get to home plate without first touching first, second, and third. Good point. And so, yeah, and that might and. and Okay, so here's what I love about how um, Luke gets specific with names like Sidon and Tyre, right? Because it's easy for anyone to say, oh, yeah, we need to go and be a blessing to the world. Anyone can say that, but because it's so vague and not general, I mean, in general, you know, like, what does that even mean? But Luke's like, let's get super specific. How about just right next to us, people that you may not even like, because they probably didn't. Sidonians and people from Tyre and yeah love it you know there's a lot there's a lot of beefy stuff to work on there and these are huge themes there's something to chew on these are just huge and they're not going to go away nope I mean they're not going to go away in the gospel of Luke and they're not going to go away through the book of Acts Mm -mm. Uh, it's just going to keep going yeah Acts right like uh, the Gentiles and Cornelius and the the Ethiopian eunuch and oh man yeah and and and, uh, I mean but fortunately I mean in our churches these days so many years after after Jesus walked the earth we've gotten beyond all those boundaries we keep I mean we have become Uh, so we've uh, got it we're so good now we don't even need this lesson anymore I don't yeah, know why we're yeah. talking. So, why are we even I talking think, about this right I think now? It's pretty special, you know. Um, so th- that's just really good news. But just blase. We don't even need this anymore. When certain issues pop up, issues of exclusion. What? No, rape, that doesn't happen. That doesn't. Or injustice. <laughs> who are you gonna turn to for right. a little bit of inspiration and a little bit of insight? Oh, probably the All That's Holy Blue Collar podcast. Well, you could do that, but you could also check into the Portland Timbers. Oh, yes. Let's talk about them. Why? Why do you bring them up? Well, so a year ago, it's been a year now. Okay. 
And uh, there was a there's a there's a, a soccer club in Boise, a kids soccer club. These kids are like 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh-huh. That's a 12 U club. And uh, the the kids on the team are composed of or comprised of the team is comprised of. I always get comprised and composed mixed up. Comprised, composed. But um, there's a bunch of kids on the team representing, I think, seven or eight different language groups. Oh wow! And they the the team, the coach on behalf of the team, received hate mail um, letters um, that were. Well, just horrible uh, hate letters uh, and felt threatening and uh, frightening and spoke to the local news about it. And then after working through with the local news, one of the uh, clubs, uh, Major League Soccer clubs that heard about it was the Portland Timbers. Ooh, and so sweet. the Portland Timbers made it a point to come to Boise to, to visit these kids, you know, to encourage them. And it was, I think it was important in, in, in some ways for the kids, but it was also really neat for these adults who represent these different nations. I mean, because soccer is so international. These MLS yeah. teams are people from all over the world. And for them to come and, and uh, to someplace like Boise that doesn't seem on the surface to be a place of uh, international, you know, uh, blending place, it seems pretty monotone here monochrome right i think it's wonderful for for folks to come here to to say hey there's a place for everybody uh and soccer in this case is a is one of those places where you know some of that some of those walls can get broken down and inclusion can begin but you know i don't think the timbers are the only team that that does this kind of stuff but one of the things i really liked on the with the portland timbers website they have something called the scarf of the month club and uh, these great soccer scarves that uh, I saw one one day, somebody was wearing it at church and it was uh, welcome. It was a welcome statement for all refugees. That's cool, man. And uh, they have another uh, scarf that says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe. Great. Nice. And so there's this strong um, desire at least for the team to uh, be out there and support causes that are, you know, fighting racism, uh, fighting exclusion, Love and trying to create spaces of welcome. Ah, that's good. Can I also tell you, like, I'm not a huge soccer fan by any stretch. Um, I don't know much about it. I don't watch it a lot. But I do love the uh, Portland Timbers uh, logo and colors and design and all. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a lot better than the Seattle Sounders. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what theirs looks like, so I... I don't either. I just try not to pay attention. <laughs> hey, Matt, uh, if you're listening, sorry about that. <laughs> he must be a Sounders fan, huh? Yeah, he is. I do think, isn't it true, though, that the Sounders, um, uh, at least this year, didn't they beat the Timbers in like the, and outperform them in the playoffs or something like that? No, that wouldn't quite be the case since uh, the in the championship game, it was the Timbers versus... Oh, Atlanta. Oh, okay, okay. Never mind, man. Well, yeah, so, never mind. So, yeah, the the the, the Sounders were dis, uh, disposed of. Uh, we're early. soundly defeated, huh? Soundly. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I just bring that up because I would wear this. Well, and so that's the other thing I was thinking of. I want to I want to find uh, another link, but there's a fellow who makes customized 
preaching stools. Ooh. Some really cool ones there. But these would be wonderful preaching stools. So if your yeah. tradition has you wear that scarf stole thing, I think yeah. this would be a cool one. This would be a good one, especially, yeah, with the theme. Hey, I mean, if you're from Pacific Northwest and your congregation cheers for the timbers, that's a, a win-win there anyway. But it also right. it supports the refugees. And, the, yeah, it's cool. I like it. Good find. Okay, so talking about boundaries – and uh, exploding those and going beyond those and not being, you know, um, held back by those. Uh, I wanted to talk about the article you linked about millennial burnout. Now, you might yeah. be asking, how in the world does that connect to boundary burnt, you know, and all that? Yeah, I'm going to ask, I, hey, Cody, how does, how does a <laughs> burned out millennial connect with boundaries? Okay, so this is the thing, right? We... Uh, this whole generational stuff, these uh, labels and categories, those are just imposed boundaries. They're superficial. as some random date that somebody picked. And it, yes, there is some, I mean, things that happen culturally and generationally that do bring certain age groups together. That's, I mean, that happens. That is a thing that does happen. But it's pretty, it's fairly permeable. You know, yes. it's not like yes. this thing that's really set in stone. In fact, even like the term millennial, they're not even completely sure um, when that. Yeah, yeah, they're not even in, in agreement on when that really is. It can be really anywhere from like 1978 all the way to 1985 for the beginning of it. And it either ended already or might even still be going kind of a thing. So anyway, I bring that up to say, we like to segue, you know, we like to allow people to segment us into these age groups and things. But if you read this article, um, it talks about this feeling of burnout. And it, while it might have a generational uniqueness to it, at least in the, uh, the way they're experiencing burnout, if you read it, and if you drop those labels, it doesn't matter what generation you're in, you've experienced something like this in your life. And you can connect with this. So drop those generational boundaries and connect to this. That this well, thing to that's what's going on in these news. people's lives. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. So one, one of the stories that I, that I, liked, that I liked, that I found most penetrating, uh, and I'll just read, it's just a paragraph here. She says, as a black woman, I feel as if I were born tired. Every woman in my family has always worked uh, since adolescence, almost until the day they died. That's yeah. one thing I think is always missing from conversations about women in the workplace. To middle-class white women, work still seems like something of, somewhat of a novelty. Right. I'm an elementary school teacher. My mother was a social worker. My grandmother was a teacher, and her mother was a slave. Mm. I was born burned out. They were working every generation. It's not a and new when thing. When you go back generations, you can begin to see there, in, in, for certain generations, it was not a necessity a necessity for for a mother to work outside the home that's right but she's in a steady line where that's the that was the only story that's all there is that is yeah wow that's good never, that's a solid never one never not an option <clears throat> oh good 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 yeah. yes but anyway so i wanted to highlight that one because uh, i was thinking boundaries and yeah. it's not just geography no not at all yeah you gotta overcome those boundaries my friend Okay. Uh, what else? What's another good resource we should highlight? Well, uh, going down, uh, down into books. Yes, books. You know, there's there's two books here that I think are great for the for the Gospel of Luke. Okay. Uh, one is a book that the book is great, 
the uh, study, the academics are, are sound. The, um, the author is um, not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> We're not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah, I mean, so the, the, the book is The Politics of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it's a book that's been around for, well, what, 30 years, 35 yeah. years? Mm-hmm. And probably um, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, John Howard Yoder uh, was, uh, had, a, there was a lot of evidence uh, that mounted against him about um, sexual harassment. Yep. And uh, treating women students you know, quite inappropriately, yep. and within the within our our in our denomination, the Mennonite Church, certain you know actions got kicked into gear, and and but anyway, he he his reputation uh, as being a uh, promoter of justice and peace has been tarnished, right to say the least. Uh, however, uh, still reading this this book, the Politics of Jesus, which is a political and economic kind of uh, interpretation of the book of Luke. And so, I mean, there's plenty of other biblical passages in there and whatever that he's working on to develop this, this, this theme of the politics of Jesus. But Luke is a, is kind of the touchstone that he uses in this book. Yeah. And so Luke leads the way in helping us understand what did Jesus think of power? Uh, what yeah. did Jesus think of those who wielded power over others? So it's still a very, very good, uh, good book. Yeah. Solid. Uh, It'd be interesting. You know what? I kind of want to, let's put a thing and maybe out on our Facebook page too of anyone who might recommend additional resources that, uh, you know, like I almost want to say alternative, but you know what I mean? Like if you're wrestling with the legacy of John Howard Yoder and you're like, I can't, I just can't go over that. I wonder if there's an alternative selection too that people might recommend. That's a very good idea. And there are, but I could remember the titles. I know. I mean, this is such a, a landmark book. I mean, it's, yeah. if, you know, it's the first one nearly everyone probably thinks of. So. Right, right. Yep. Another book that uh, is, is uh, to me, it's just enchanting. I love it. It was a favorite of our kids when they were small. Okay. The Arabulies of Liberty Street. The Arabulies of Liberty Street. Okay. And this, this is about a, a neighborhood that does not like things that are different. The houses oh. are all painted the same. Everything looks the same. <laughs> the Arabulis come along and every one of them is a different color. Uh, mm. they, they decide to move all their furniture out on the front yard and live <laughs> on the outside of the house. Uh, you know, they just do everything differently. And, different. And some people in the neighborhood, na- some kids in the neighborhood think it's just cool and they really yeah. like it. But oh, that sounds a, good. there's a neighborhood bully uh, always is. Who happens to be a general in some some military thing, and, <laughs> and he's going to bring the military down on his street to make sure they can can uh, force compliance, oh. so everything can go back to the way it was. So oh, everything's no. predictable. But I won't tell you about the the surprise ending. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. I got to get that. That's no, a great book. It's a kids one. book. So, yeah, I was going to say, that'd be a good uh, a children's uh, mess, a sermon resource it, even. It's been used. <laughs> That's awesome. Good. It's a fun, good fun book. Good one. Good one. Okay. One more uh, yes. article to highlight, I think. Um, and I can connect this to going beyond boundaries too. You know, when we, because this is an environmental issue that we're going to touch on, uh, what we do in any area of our world 
has an impact on other areas of the world. There's, there is no boundary when it comes to our ecosystems. You know, what we do here has a major impact far away in faraway lands. And so you, I think you highlighted one about the Jordan River. Right. And uh, the Jordan yeah, River factors. There about the Jordan River. Yeah. Struggling right. with similar issues. Yeah. 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 And it, right. The Jordan River is, is it being contaminated? What's going on? It's, be, it's, it's being contaminated to the extent that it's, it's really just not safe to go into anymore. not even safe to go in for a good baptism anymore. And pil- pilgrims will you know, continue to go to the, the River Jordan. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, I, uh, somebody from one of the churches I pastored had gone to the Holy Land, gone on a tour, and they came back with a little vial of mm-hmm. water from the Jordan River. Like, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But nowadays, it sounds as if the water in that bottle, if, if you opened up that vial, you'd have to call the EPA. It's toxic water it's, now. It's, it's toxic, yeah. yeah. Uh, one, one of the quotes from one of the articles was, if Jesus were to plunge into the river, uh, Jordan River today, he might well injure himself. Oh, man. So even though that's a generalized look, I mean, not, not a generalized, that's a specific location, the Jordan River. I think we can generalize that out to, you know, I mean, because what's happening in the Jordan River isn't because of stuff happening in the immediate area around the Jordan River, right? It's stuff that's happening all around that might not even be, people might not even think about, like farms, you know, farm runoff and stuff like that, you know? Well, and and, um, I'm not sure if this almost becomes a little bit of of a Lenten theme, but I think it kind of picks up into... You know, it, as Lent has this of reestablishing covenants and, and getting yes. back to this place of balance and place of mutuality, shalom throughout all of creation. Yep. I, I was impressed, uh, pleasantly impressed, with uh, Alexandria yes. Ocasio-Cortez. Yes. When the uh, spokesperson for the administration basically said, environmental stuff, oh, we'll just leave it up to God, you know. Doesn't you know God can take, Right. And, and uh, Ocasio-Cortez oh, schooled them out. on the Bible, man. Schools. Oh, man. And, and it was sound. And it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. it was like, I'm going to pick and choose certain scriptures to, to, uh, to support my view. This it's was, like the oldest covenant stuff, man. It was well done. Yeah. Yep. So she goes all the way back to Genesis 1. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she, let's see, I'm just looking at the article here. She goes to Genesis 1, and she said, God looked on. Uh, the world and called it good, not once, not twice, but seven times. Genesis 2, God commands all people to serve and protect creation. Leviticus, God mandates that not only the people, but the land that sustains them shall be respected. That's right. He added, you shouldn't need a Bible to tell you to protect our planet, but it does anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But in case you do, it's in there. She's, she's, She's great. I know. Like, how can you, like... Okay, I guess if you disagree with her politics, I can get it because she'd be like a total thorn in your side because she is, man, she's owning people at this like social media and she's just, she was, she was made for a time like this. I think so. I think so. I, I, I just, I'm looking forward to what she, what, what, what's going to come from her work. It's just, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. That was sound. It wasn't overtly political. Nope. Uh, it was, well, if you're going to bring up the Bible, 
Let's talk the Bible. Let me tell you about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Maybe you haven't read the maybe you haven't read the book, so let me tell you a little bit about it. Yeah. Oh, man, that's good. Oh, so good. Okay. I do need to go uh, I got to be on the go cuz I got to go pick up some kids. But <laughs> got to go pick up some girls? <laughs> no, no. No. My daughters. Uh, but, no. uh, do you have a particular song you want to No, I don't, but do you? Uh, oh, um well, I was looking at the lyrics to where did it go where did it oh it is it's so weird by juliana hatfield yep okay and uh, it just jumped out to me um because it's simple it's simple lyric stuff but she's talking about almost like i tore myself up for no reward behind these heavy doors you know behind these boundaries yeah and I'm never going to go back inside. So I'm not going back to those boundaries anymore. That's cool. That's a great, play. great segue. Yeah. So I'm going to play that for us on the outro. Um, but we should mention, you know, Craig's going to have up on our website because we had way more than we could talk about as far as resources that are really handy, I think, for uh, preaching. But we want to talk about, right, Craig, it's not just for preachers. In fact, it's not even specifically for preachers. That's why we pick these resources that are out there that you can find because they're for everybody to have conversations about the deep stuff of spiritual life that connects to all areas of life. And I think it picks up with this, this the, the title of what we're trying to intend. That's the, 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 this is, you know, all that's holy. These are, these are just bits and pieces, uh, but they come together as something beautiful. That's right. Well, Craig, another good episode. I'm so glad we practiced it first. Me too. I'm glad we recorded this one. <laughs> it did record, right? Well, it's still recording, I believe. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to play this out. And then uh, when you hit that stop record button, I'm going to make sure that there's the dialogue that tells you it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. It's So Weird by Juliana, ha Juliana Hatfield. <laughs>